0: This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life.
1: We've been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura.
0: We're the founders of Brightly.Eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We
1: believe in supporting all creatures, great and small. And our team of experts show you how to live and shop responsibly by sharing world-changing lifestyle ideas, products, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the planet-friendly goodness that we feature, head to brightlyego podcast. And to help spread the word about the podcast, tap
0: on this episode and share Good Together with your friends and family. A simple text message helps us grow and create change around the world. If you're listening to this podcast, you are on your conscious consumerism journey. I don't know where you are exactly because we can't talk to each other one-on-one, but you can ping us on social media, as you know. But when most people start off on this journey, they usually start paying attention to the certifications on products while they're shopping. Fair trade is often referred to as the most popular ethical certification out there, we're all relatively familiar with it, and it's not hard to find on most shelves in some form or fashion. The main question we want to answer in today's episode is, what does fair trade actually mean, and why is it important to weigh picking this certification over others out there? We draw on Lisa's extensive knowledge working directly with fair trade artisans and the organization in the past to discuss how fair trade protects workers' and children's rights around the globe, how their wage and price-setting mechanisms impact the market for good, actionable ways you can support the fair trade movement, and lots more. This episode is fascinating, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Let's get into it.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Good Together episode. I'm excited about this one, and I know we always say this, but today's topic is my raison d'être, if you will, and it is fair trade. I okay. not the French, Lisa. Oh yeah, raison d'être, really? <laughs> Very uh, nice. Yeah, I had to say that. You know. <laughs> That's just the word I use on a daily basis. Oh yeah, so fancy. <laughs> October is Fairtrade month, so all month long we are celebrating Fairtrade and our favorite Fair Trade brands. And today we will dig into and learn what Fair Trade really is and what it is not, and how you can support the worldwide Fair Trade movement.
0: Yeah, this is a super interesting topic because I think fair trade is often kind of the gateway into the ethical and sustainable movement for a lot of people. I think a lot of times you're shopping, we talk about coffee a lot, but coffee to me always just seems like the easy one to think about. And you see all of these different certifications on the bag. And so you might glance and it says fair trade. And so, of course, the words fair trade, make some sense, right, if you just think about what they actually mean. But I think if we think about what the concept of fair trade is, and how we get into it, it is super fascinating. So I know that you have such a background in being involved with fair trade companies. I know your previous company was one. And yeah, this is super cool. So I'd
1: love if you could just tell us, Lisa, what is fair trade? For me, that's definitely not a scientific definition by any measure. But for me personally, fair trade is first and foremost is about empowerment. So that's where I kind of draw the line between fair trade businesses and charities, right? Fair trade in simple terms is just about giving job opportunities and paying fair wages to producers, be it artisans, farmers, factory workers. So that's what fair trade is in a nutshell. But of course, it's not just that. It goes way above and beyond just fair wages and job opportunities. And I thought the easiest way for us to kind of talk about fair trade would be actually to start with fair trade principles that Fair Trade Federation usually uses. And okay. my previous company, Globin, they were Fair Trade Federation members, and that's kind of why I'm more familiar with that. And we'll go into more details. What is Fair Trade Federation versus Fair Trade Certified? Because again, there are differences and they're not very clear. Yeah. So nine fair trade principles. So the first one is create opportunities for economically and socially marginalized producers. Basically, you as a fair trade member, as a business, your goal is to place the interests of producers and their communities as the primary concern of your business, right? So again, as we define social business, it's very similar definition for me. Your goal, yes, to have a sustainable, financially sustainable business and make money, but you prioritize your producers. They're basically as important for you as the revenue. That's a big difference in thinking for
0: most companies out there today. And if you're not familiar with building a company, don't worry, I wasn't either until we started this journey. But in general, there's always a tension, whether or not you're doing social good or not, between profits and people. That can be your employees, that can be the people down the supply chain who are making the products that you're going to sell. But We as a country in the United States, but also as a world have gotten so used to consuming cheap things, whether that's cheap clothing or plastic things or meat, we've all become so obsessed with value that in the process, we have forgotten that somebody's going to have to pay. It's the whole like concept of no such thing as a free lunch. And that's true. I mean, I know that's like such a dad thing to say, but (laughs) (laughs) your dad probably told you that all the time. Mine did, but- it's true. Somebody has to pay somewhere. So if you as the consumer aren't paying, then somebody else is. And for a lot of companies that have chosen to be fair trade or have you know gotten other certifications or prioritizing better supply chains, they pay. So they don't take home as much profit, which perhaps makes them not able to grow as much. Now, I'm talking about in the current system. As conscious consumers, if we prioritize those companies that we're buying from, then that's going to negate all of us, basically. So anyway, it's just such a fascinating thing to think about. That's why I love this conversation and specifically around fair trade, because like Lisa mentioned, there's just so many different misconceptions and organizations that seem like they're fair trade, but they're not. So yeah, super fascinating.
1: It's just essential. it's a different way of thinking and running the business, right? Yes. So the second fair trade principle is about developing transparent and accountable relationships. Essentially, the way I think about it and understand it, if you're working with artisans or farmers, factory workers, treat them as your true partners, right? Not just yep. on the, on your marketing materials, but in a true business relationship, treat them as partners. Another principle, one of my favorite ones, is actually building capacity. And what it means is basically that you as a business partner of the artisan group, let's say, and a lot of times, of course, these artisan partners, farmers, they're very small, right? Mm-hmm. They can be a small corporation, a cooperative. It can be just like literally a family. Most of the artisans, when I went to India, for example, last year, it was literally like small family business. And what are you doing with them? Your goal as a fair trade partner of theirs is not just to buy products from them. Of course, this is the number one impact that fair trade organizations, businesses can do. Just buy products, Pay them equal wages, right? Mm -hmm. But also by working with them, by training them and teaching them how to start slowly scaling their business, scaling their operations, being able to fulfill orders, not of hundred units of product, but a thousand units of product. That's how you're building their capacity. And if you're just business partner of theirs, you won't be preventing them from working with other organizations if they have the capacity for it, right? So that's kind of fair trade because ultimately any fair trade business, they would want their artisan and business partners to be able to be, independent right it's yeah. very dangerous to be relying on just one company for your orders absolutely it's not good for the world you know i'll use another dad saying but <laughs> a
0: rising tide lifts all boats and it's really trying to make sure that these artisan groups are around for even longer than the companies so exactly. um, you know it, in some cases so i think the way that you've described quote-unquote To me, even just hearing it from you is different than maybe I would have thought in my brain. I might have thought about like the company who is fair trade should be bigger but it's not that's not yeah. really what it means mm-hmm. but really interesting
1: yeah it's more about the partners yeah another principle is super obviously obvious promote fair trade as i think we've talked about in previous episodes again there is a lot of misconceptions even still about fair trade about ethical living what fair trade is it, and it's not and essentially as a fair trade business it's one of your jobs to educate the consumers right through your marketing mm-hmm. through your storytelling and things like that one of The most important ones is paying promptly and fairly. What does that mean? So it's basically, I don't know if we've talked about this before. What number one thing is that fair trade companies, they have to pay deposits. Okay. And why is that different? So how how does the industry work right now? It it is pretty crazy to me. And that I've learned the hard way is that most companies, traditional businesses, they do not pay deposits for their orders. And which is crazy. I actually just recorded last week in our upcoming episode with Elizabeth Klein, And there was a lot of problems, of course, when COVID hit with fashion industries and fashion brands canceling orders that have already been produced. So the factories, they lost $10 million. Imagine that. That's that's, insane. Yeah. And that's true across different industries. So, for example, my previous company, we worked with TJ Maxx with the baskets. We sold them basically like 2,000 baskets from our artisans in Mexico. We got paid six months after we deliver the goods mm. and that's a norm in the industry but we're talking about small-scale producers they don't really even have money usually to even buy the raw materials and you're asking these small producers to front it and take all the financial risk it's completely heartbreaking when things go wrong that's why it's such a core principle of fair trade yeah Another one, supporting safe and empowering working conditions. Wearing masks right now, for example, right? Making sure that just the environment is clean, there is no toxins in the air, and things like that. Ensuring the rights of children, ensuring that there is no child labor, and cultivating environmental stewardship. It means that as a fair trade business, we always have to make sure that the raw materials are sustainably sourced, there are no toxins that we are putting back into the environment, and things like that. And of course, the last one is a very important one. to respecting cultural identity, right? So the way we present stories of our farmers and artisans, the way you talk about the regions and the culture and the way you give credit, right? I don't know, Lord, yeah. do you remember those fashion stories about how you know, some fashion brands just com- completely culturally appropriated? I believe it was Guatemalan artisan technique. They're beautiful like weaving and they gave no credit for it. And it happens all over. Time. It happens all the time. Yeah. The one
0: that I see constantly, well, too, because I'm a big home design nut, and I remember specifically seeing the Otomi yeah. patterns from mm-hmm. Oaxaca. Yeah. Those, if you if you buy authentic Otomi, it's very expensive. Very expensive for a pillow. I wouldn't say it's not worth it because it's beautiful. I actually saved up and bought one, but it's the technique and the time that it takes to make that weaving takes so long. That's yeah. why it's so expensive, you know, relatively. And so. I started noticing when Otomi was big, like that was back in the days of Design Sponge. If if any listeners are nerdy about that stuff, like me, and literally you would see companies come out and make just like graphic prints of it, to where you could like get the similar look, but it was just you know like a screen print. And of course, mm-hmm. that wasn't going back to the to the artisans. Um, another one you see all the time is African mud cloth. Oh yeah, uh, mm-hmm. just all the time, which you know if if you're interested just like google we'll, we'll try and put a few pictures of this stuff in the show notes but it maybe the name is escaping you but when you see pictures you're like oh i see that all yeah. the time i mean talk about like bargain bin home decor companies or when you walk in the store you see it all over the place my cloth so yeah
1: and like when we're talking about the price tag i think one of the most important thing it's like i mean it's great if you can travel around the world and buy this directly from artisans that makes this even more special but also in general when you're buying fair trade products artisan truly artisan products right not just the copies feel Pride in these stories, like you can almost like feel the hands of the person who you know made the stitches, like for hours, right? They've been suing these products, and I think yeah, that's definitely worth the price. Well, let's talk about how did fair trade start, Laura? I know we've researched that, part and it's very interesting.
0: For sure. So yeah, we looked into it, and basically, fair trade is said to have started around the late 1940s. It was needlework that was made in Puerto Rico. I didn't know so. That. I didn't know it either. And so the first formal fair trade shop was established in 1958. The purpose of this shop was to sell those needleworks back in the US. Now that's the 40s. That was a long time ago. And then in the 60s and 70s, there was a movement within the uh, nonprofit space. And a lot of NGOs were looking to provide more equitable commerce is what they're calling it, but you know, more fair opportunities with countries like Asia, Africa, and Latin America. At the UN conference on trade and development in 1968, the delegation highlighted the message that the fair trade movement should be trade, not aid, which is similar to what you you said about it not being a charity. They wanted to make sure that people knew fair trade is the goal of establishing fair trade relations that benefit workers. So Again, there's just so much opportunity when you support a movement that teaches a man how to fish. Exactly. <laughs> me, I, oh I am God, a full of it today. <laughs> man, please, somebody get me a, a t-shirt company. I'm just going to start printing them. A fair trade t shirts certainly. So in general, you know, if you've ever had a family member gift you, I, we talked about this in one of our holiday episodes, which by the way, holidays are coming up. Feel free to go back and, and listen to some of those. We'll also kind of re-release new holiday information, but I always find it fascinating. Anyway, people sometimes will gift like a cow to somebody in a developing country or something like that. And there are some organizations that do good from that perspective. And I think that is an example of instead of just giving somebody money to purchase milk You could gift a cow, which gives the milk for a lifetime, uh, you know, more or less. So Mm -hmm. this is, to me, is a bit similar, where we're we're supporting people in that more sustainable way versus this one-off contribution.
1: Exactly, because I think we've talked about this documentary on the podcast before, Poverty Inc. Like the same as you said, teach them to fish, right? They were talking about Tom's Shoes specifically and the buy one get one model, right? These big companies are sending free products to the developing countries and. I don't remember there was i think gentleman haiti if i'm not mistaken or in one of the developing countries and they're like why do you think we want free stuff you know yeah. nobody wants to get free stuff people anywhere in the world i don't care where they are i don't care how poor they are they want dignified job opportunities just like you and me and they want to be paid fairly for it that's it they don't want our free money you might exactly. be surprised but they all they want is job opportunities. Exactly. The next one is it is pretty confusing right all of the fair trade certifications there is fair trade certified there is world fair trade organizations and then there is fair trade federation as well so i just wanted to focus specifically on what it means to be fair trade certified for a company versus fair trade federation member and wait before
0: you get into mm-hmm.
1: that
0: for listening. We'll get back to today's episode in just a second, but we wanted to take a break to recognize a few companies that we've partnered with.
1: Right now, there are thousands of ethical brands out there, which can be confusing and overwhelming. This is why Brightly exists. We are your guide to doing good in the world through conscious consumerism. We personally vet and try products from
0: every single brand that we partner with, both on our podcast and on our platform, brightly.eco, so that you don't have to do the research yourself.
1: Partnerships like this are what helps Brightly and our community grow and increase our impact. Thank you. So I was in the shower the other day and started thinking... Isn't that where all of the best ideas start? Exactly. So yeah, I was in the shower and looking at all the bottles sitting around, and then I started to think about the waste I was creating with all of these different products.
0: Yeah, it's pretty staggering to think about the amount of plastic we use around the bathroom and for our beauty habits. I've been trying to reduce my personal plastic use, and it's been super difficult to say the least. That's why I was super excited when Plain Products
1: reached out to have us partner with them. Absolutely. So Plain Products is a company on a mission to revamp your routine with toxin-free formulas served up in refillable aluminum bottles. That's my favorite part. You order whatever you need, shampoo, conditioner, they have it all, and they mail it to you in an aluminum bottle. It's a really cool system. And by
0: the way, the hand lotion and hand sanitizer I got from them smells amazing and has left my skin super soft. Anyway, once you're done with the product, you can order a refill and you send back your empty bottle to them for free instead of tossing it in the trash. I love this.
1: They also have lots of certifications that we love it Brightly. They're a B Corp, Leaping Bunny certified, cruelty-free and vegan, and they're also a member of 1% for the planet. And Lisa, you know I love a good certification. It really authentically demonstrates how committed a company is to doing good. Yep, and so far, Plain Products has kept over 200,000 plastic bottles out of landfills and oceans, thanks to people like you and our listeners who care about the packaging waste they generate. Good Together
0: listeners can get 20% off their purchase by using the code BRIGHTLY at plainproducts.com. That's P-L-A-I-N-E, don't forget the E, products.com. This episode is brought to you by Real Paper,
1: tree-free toilet paper made from 100% bamboo. Our community has been asking us about paper-free swaps for items around the house, so this alternative to traditional toilet paper is right up our alley. I don't know about you, Laura, but I always run out of toilet paper. Me too, and I love that Real Paper delivers direct
0: to your home while also using plastic-free packaging. It makes stuff so much easier. Also, while you probably haven't considered the environmental impact of your bathroom habits, unfortunately, over 27,000 trees are flushed down the toilet every
1: day across the world. That's a lot of waste. And by using paper that comes from bamboo, you're supporting a product made out of renewable, eco-friendly resource. It's also super soft, and I couldn't tell a difference between the 100% bamboo paper and what I'm used to.
0: Good Together listeners get 25% off your first order by using code BRIGHTLY at realpaper.com. That's R-E-E-L paper I want to ask you a question. So... I would imagine both of these things, while they're different, you're going to talk about the differences, like they're better than nothing, right? Like we, people shouldn't be thinking about, oh no, which one is it kind of thing, you know?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. You're absolutely right. If you have an actual certification, it's better than nothing yeah uh, exactly they were i think i mentioned before there were some studies in the past about you know how fair trade premiums are actually working or not in comparison with the market prices there were some studies that coffee farmers that were employed or working with fair trade organization just regular coffee farmers they didn't get any extra benefit uh, this is a long study i i wrote it like a blog was about like 12 years ago oh wow so again nothing is perfect but this is a step in the right direction no matter which certification you're seeing. Yeah. So, what are the differences between the yeah. two? Yeah. So, in order for a company to be fair trade certified, basically, certification is on the factory level, right? So, if you as an organization, as a brand, let's say you're working with farmers in Ghana, with artisans in Mexico, food producers in Morocco, you cannot be fair trade certified company as a company Mm -hmm. but maybe the factory that you're working in india they are certified right Mm -hmm. you as a company in this instance again you can be fair trade certified one option is for all of your partner factories are certified that's option one has to be all of them yeah all of them has to be 100 yeah or if you essentially own all of these factories and you certify them yourself so that's a lot of financial and that's yeah and and maybe i'm making this up but basically that's the main reason why on the factory level on the raw material level right it can be certified so fair trade a federation member that you can be as a brand right so Fair Trade Federation, and another big difference is that Fair Trade Federation, the process works is like basically your fair trade claims, your brand's fair trade claims, are verified by a third party. In this case, it's Fair Trade Federation. So we had to fill out tons of forms about our different artisan groups and kind of be vetted by our artisan partners, different representatives of our artisans, in order for us to be members of the Fair Trade Federation. Officially, mm-hmm. you as a company, if you're just a member of the Fair Trade Federation, you cannot say you're a Fair trade certified. This, this way. Oh, okay. uh, that's that's way. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's so wait, I have
0: I have a question. So then, can a product be fair trade certified? Or no? Is it, um,
1: I think so because most often that's why you most often you see fair trade certified on consumables, right? Like yeah. coffee and ch- yeah, chocolate. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, p- product can be. And another difference, important one, with fair trade certified. In order for the factory to be certified, you know, the representative either of the WFTO, the World Fair Trade Organization, or fair trade certified, they actually go and visit the factory. Yeah. So with Fairtrade Federation, again, like if you as a company, you know, there is Little Market, there is Globin, there is the citizenry, they work with partners all around the world. It will be extremely like hundreds of different groups, right? It will be extremely uh, costly to send, you know, Fair Trade certification representatives to all of these partners. It's, it's, uh, that's why, again, the main reason why it's on the factory level. And so
0: just expanding on that, how does the Fair Trade Federation make money?
1: From member of fees. Okay. And that's kind of one of the one of the biggest barriers, right, for smaller organizations that might be operating by fair trade principle already, but they just can't afford to pay the fair trade fees. And this is kind of the one of the main reasons why some organizations, and we'll talk about it, they go above and beyond. They may be going above and beyond the actual fair trade certification requirements, but they just choose not to pay the fees. And I wanted
0: to bring this up because we get questions about certifications all the time and... If you're new or you're just curious about what's going on, fair trade is something that's really easy to look for. It's usually displayed super loud and proud. And so it's tempting to be like, oh, well, this product is not fair trade. Therefore, it's not ethical and sustainable. And that's that's not necessarily true. I think there is the argument to be made for any company who has the financial means or, you know, any company who should be able to set things aside to have the financial means to get this so that they can support the work that the organization does. Because to the point we we're just trying to make earlier, like this work is not free. Like you have to employ people to go check up on um, factories, etc. But, you know, it's, it is a free, free world, free country, whatever. <laughs> and companies sometimes choose not to make that decision and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad either it's just a specific choice they've chosen to make and i just wanted to really kind of drill into that yeah
1: and exactly you're right so for example at my previous company we did not require all of our artisan partners to have the certification because we understood that not everyone i think i'm pretty sure the fair trade certification on the factory level even is more expensive than the membership fees of the fair trade federation okay so you know we're going to work with a small artisan group and we're never gonna ask them to guarantee the certification what we will do we'll go visit them if it's a brand new group that we've never worked before we'll ask for references from other organization maybe we'll ask for photos and videos from the factory we'll ask artists stories and photos that's how we decide but yeah, yeah. it would be hurtful for artisan groups who cannot afford the certification fees they will be losing job opportunities right if we were requiring everyone to be certified the
0: thing that we kind of wanted to end on is like we always do with our episodes which is what you can do about what we're talking about so we've just talked a lot about fair trade and so we wanted to talk a little bit about how you can support the fair trade movement so the first one is relatively obvious, which is when you're shopping, be on the lookout for those fair trade certifications. Of course, we talk a lot about consumables. Typically, you will see Fair Trade logos and sort of stamps of approval on packaging when you go out to purchase these consumable types. I know Whole Foods has a section a lot of times where they'll specifically call out Fair Trade, which is great. Yeah. Target even has launched a fair trade denim line, which is really interesting. Nice. I saw it the other day, but I'm still kind of weird about, first of all, we don't I mean, it's not like everybody's going out a lot because of COVID. And even when I do go out, I'm weirded out by trying on clothes. Yeah. Like I, I, so that's been kind of strange. So anyway, I would love to try them on listeners and I will probably make the plunge, but then, you know, me, I don't want to have something and then have to return it. Oh, I just like go into this existential crisis about all these yeah. things. <laughs> if you actually, as a listener, if you have tried, Fair trade denim from Target. Please let us know. We would love to know what you think. So you know, send us. Use all of the channels. You know how to get us. Use the bat phone. Put a signal up in the sky. Just let us know. Purchase fair trade things. You can also, like I just mentioned, just be interested about fair trade. Like go look up what we just talked about and learn a little bit more about it for yourself. If you work for, if you happen to work for an organization that deals with physical products get curious about where supply chains come from and do whatever's responsible and appropriate for you. But maybe ask the people in charge, like, why are we not pursuing this type of certification? Is it something we're interested in? Like, yeah. Another thing you can do is just think through the various questions like we talked about earlier that brands and products are required to have. So Lisa talked about all of the different fair trade principles, like just kind of internalize those and think about them when you're purchasing things. So might not have a fair trade stamp, but maybe it says that it's made by an artisan group in X, Y, and Z. If you're online, maybe you could kind of dig in and and take a look at those artisan stories yourself and kind of be, be your own inspector, if you will.
1: And I think people, uh, especially now, scouts community, I think we are getting accustomed to asking these questions. So this, these are very important. There was a case with our, some of our scouts that one of the brands that claims to be ethical, they're reaching out to them if they're interested to be their ambassador on Instagram. And our scouts are like, uh, can you tell me where do you produce? How do you produce? Who you donate to? And yeah, it's pretty easy to tell. If there is absence of information, if there is absence of artists and photos, absence of transparency in terms of where do you produce and who you donate to it's pretty easy to tell actually and i think we are getting there but as long as we as consumers keep asking these questions less and less of this kind of kind of shady brands will have a reason to exist Another thing I wanted to add really quickly, when I was part of the fair trade movement, a lot of times people confuse fair trade and free trade. So I want you guys to think about these definitions and know that they're exactly the opposite. I'm not sure why. Free trade is very popular in US. It's basically free trade is regular trade, right? So while one looks to remove barriers and regulations for trade, The other, fair trade, seeks to create equity with the global market. So free trade, right, is stimulating the economy. It's all about maximizing profits, removing barriers between countries, making sure there's lower taxes involved. But fair trade is less about the profits, right, and more about people. So there's one big definition, and if you hear it from anyone in your community, of free trade, it's not the same as fair trade. Last one, this one is important. If you mentioned Target, Laura, already, definitely go and support of the brands that we've mentioned in the episode. Support other brands that have fair trade certifications, member of the Federation, buy directly from them. That's probably the most important thing that you can do on the brand level. Yep. But even while you're shopping at Target and Walmart or your local chain store, it's also almost as important for you to pick up fair trade products there because, as we've talked in previous episodes, this sends such a huge and important signal to. To big corporation that consumers demand fair trade products and they will listen as long as you know money is involved in the table big corporations will listen to that absolutely well this has been a fascinating episode
0: i love that we're able to draw on your past experience with fair trade and you know you're just such a wealth of information about this topic so i learned a ton i hope the audience did and thank you so much lisa yeah thanks laura
1: for joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco podcast. And don't forget to join in on the conversation that's happening on our Facebook group.
0: Simply search Good Together Ethical Shopping and it'll come up. You can also leave us a question through voicemail. The link is on brightly.eco
1: slash podcast. If you're into social media, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to
0: create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.